What's going on, everybody? This is Ezra McNeil, and you're listening to Real Talk with Ezra once again. Um, this is the eighth episode. A topic that I want to talk about that is, you know, serious, I think always serious, but, you know, has is is needs to be more relevant today in its importance, the black family. Um, you know, from a historical standpoint, we know that, you know, the government tried to break the family. Um, so were, you know, the slave masters uh, back in, in those times. And then now today, it feels like the there's being a dismissal. And only few families that we look up to um, are still, you know, moving forward and giving us hope that we can be as one, as a unit. So today, my guest, a great friend of mine, uh, one of the newest members of Phi Mu Alpha, um, a great guy, member of Panic 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, say your name, man. Uh, my name is Ryan Dickerson. Uh, good to see you, bro. And uh, I know you are, are, you really care about this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. we all should. It, yeah. it matters to us. So you have some stuff uh, today in regards to the black family. So, yo, yo the, take it away. Take it away. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's... Uh, all right, let's start from, like, one of the most important aspects of the family unit in America as a whole, um, speaking to all families, is World War II. Mm. And people don't know that, is um, pre-World War II, we see the, the emergence of the breadwinner homemaker model. So okay. the husband goes to work, the woman stays home, right. uh, teaches the kids, makes the, makes the house. Basically. So the, the husband is, is making the bread, mm-hmm. and the wife is just home mm-hmm. cleaning, you know, being the... In a sense, a maid. And Essentially, yeah, yeah. Okay. Since like a maid, yeah. Um, and World War Two happened, and most of the men had to go off to war. Right. And the government was like, "All right, we need people to work in the factories. We need to manufacture the stuff." So mm-hmm. then the women had to work. So then women became the homemakers and the breadwinners. Mm-hmm. Um, so post World War Two, World War Two has ended, and so th- this see, is this is America. This, this, this is what I'm talking about America. So yeah. okay, so you saying that with with. The, the wife being at home and at work. Mm-hmm. This is also the, the beginning of Rosie the Riveter as well. Yes, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool, cool, Yeah, cool. so this is where you get the iconic Rosie Riveter and you get the um, iconic you ride with Hitler, you ride alone kind of thing. Mm. It was all about saving. Um, it's important because when you look at black the black family, during World War II, um, the black family moved west. Right. Um, so you have the Chinese Exclusionary Act, which basically said the Asian Americans were not allowed to migrate to America. Mm-hmm. And the ones, the Japanese and Chinese that were here were put into internment camps mm-hmm. in America. So this left all the jobs vacant in the West. Mm-hmm. So the, the black family moved to the West mm-hmm. to get these jobs. Um, so that's like the westward experience of the black family. Um, but post-World War II, the men come back home and men are like, oh, we want our jobs back. But the women are like, right. we kind of like working. Yeah. And so then the dynamic change is there. That that's a true like callous of change in the family. It's now that women are working, and women have this agency over themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I can get a job, I can work. Um, so that that to me is the most important part of how we got to where we're at now with the family being so um, different structures. Because before it was just man, woman, two children. The children mm-hmm. were. Um, essentially working because mm-hmm. there were no child labor laws. Yeah. Um, and in post-World War II, women are working now. Children have child labor laws, so they can't work. And the men are back home, too, so the men are working and women are working. Also, kind of a fun fact is where we get the baseball as an, as an American pastime mm. was during World War II. Because right. they were going to stop playing baseball, but then the, gov- the president was like, no, let's keep playing baseball. 
So he's like, baseball is quintessential to America. Which president? Oh, God. Was I'm it, bad with names. Wait, did, I know, because I know uh, Woodrow Wilson was a fan mm-hmm. of baseball, but he, he was during the First World mm-hmm. War. Right. I'm really bad with names for presidents. Okay, it's, it's all good. But, yeah, but a president. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, a president. Okay. What's, yeah. Okay. Um, so, in re- mostly we're talking about the white family, right? Um, well, we're, well ta- we're talking about... Mm, in, in right now. Right now, so... Kind of, kind of. Because, because the, the white family sets the, the precedent for the black family in America. Because you got to think about how we... How Americans as a whole, whole base everything off of the European, the European people. Mm-hmm. And so um, this idea of a white picket fence and a dog was mm-hmm. never was right. never a thing that white people wanted until white people had it. Right. It's 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 how they they define their family. Right. Um, because before then, um, yeah, it was actually a really good segue. Because if you think about it, um, the the family model for Europeans is always a mother, a a, a father, and the kids, mm-hmm. and that's it. White people typically are least likely to live with their, have their grandparents live with them. Mm-hmm. So they're least likely to have extended and striated families. Okay. Um, whereas people of color, particularly black people, tend to take in their grandparents and don't put them in um, a home, a home, mm-hmm. hospice care, anything like that. Um, which is, um, I lost my train of thought. It's hospice so care, home, family. Um, that's what you yeah, yeah, and so and, and 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 so and so even if we look at like many many countries within Africa um, and in the Congo in particular, we look at how family itself, the structure of family is not a two-parent system. It's, it it's is, a whole it is a village. <laughs> yeah, people yeah, say it takes a village to raise a child. That's typically coming from um, like a, a village, literally. It's yes. not. It's it's not a Western idea. Right. So, in comparison, because I, I guess. I guess what I'm thinking from this is that when it comes to, well, I mean, usually, like, with the white picket fence, there's only five, maybe five to six people, depending mm-hmm. on how many kids or mm-hmm. a dog or something like that. Right. Um, one thing comes to mind when you said the white picket fence was Tony Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. Because um, I read that in high school, mm-hmm. and that sort of whole notion that the... The, uh, the girl in the story saw Shirley Temple mm-hmm. um, and saw all those photos of the the blonde haired blue eyed mm-hmm. girl and that perfect quote unquote family. Yeah, it paying attention to that actually took away from us as a distraction mm-hmm. of of what we should have, mm-hmm. you know, going back to Africa, you know, mm-hmm. with with right. the, having the whole family. Like whole family it's there. it's okay to have. Mm-hmm. Your grandparents with you yeah, because honestly, yeah. personally, I know I because I was in the house with with both my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned more than enough from mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. so I I never understood how. Actually, many, in my opinion, from what I've seen, many Caucasian families leave their grandparents and and put mm-hmm. them in a home. And, put them in a home. Yeah, I, I never understood that. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I I don't understand it. I. Yeah, there's there's actually a funny. No, it's not really funny, but it's kind of sad. But it's funny is that um, um, Al Qaeda and the other like ISIL terrorist groups mm-hmm. use that propaganda really? of putting of us putting our our, our grandparents and elderly in homeless as homeless um, in homeless hospice care and homes 
as propaganda to fuel the anger toward us because wow. it, because because in because in the Western world, which is Western world is mostly America, mostly industrialized places. Mm-hmm. It is once you're once you're older, you get put off into a home. You're someone else's responsibility, right? And so to the Eastern world, it's like you're giving That's up it. on these people who that who raised, raised you, you. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think I think that's crazy. I mean, I joke. My parents say when you get old, I'm putting you in the, in. A, a care facility, but that's just as a joke because, right? Like you, sh- like you, you need to want you to need do that. To, those who tend for you, you need to tend mm-hmm. for them because it, it's their time. Mm-hmm. You know, now they they done enough. They need to be taken care of now. So right. I, I never, I I would never, like God forbid, uh, you know, you know, as as we grow older, I I promise you, I'm I'm making sure that my family, my that's mom, good. my dad, my stepfather are taken care of with me mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because they what they've done for me the three of them i need to do for them you know? i think i think also americans are becoming selfish mm. right and in this and 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 we see this um because there's there's a decrease in marriage there's a decrease in marriage in the black family that was something i want to talk about later um but yes America is selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly. America it's, is very selfish. It's all about... Me. Yes, it's a race. It's a race to it see... It is a race. It's a race to see who's better than who's who. Who's better than who. It is a race to see who can get what first right. and at what extent and extremes. Exactly. Um, it and, is a race. And people will bend over backwards just to get something materialistic. And oh my not gosh, yeah. Something yeah. materialistic and not yeah. something that benefits them benefits from the inside. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yes, America is in a race within ourselves, mm-hmm. and it's it's not right. It's not. It's but not. nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. And this podcast yeah. is going yeah, to definitely yeah. talk about it. Yeah, um, I, I think America's in a race, and if you look at technology, technology is one of the. I, I have a love hate relationship with technology. I believe technology leads to classism. I, I believe it leads to like it leads to inequality right. and disparities. But we are living through a technological boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you talk about going from the '90s when you had the ro- the rotary phone to now where we have iPhones and these play- these uh, Playstations mm-hmm. and all these like advanced technology that happened so fast. Yeah. In American history, in 1999, they were afraid the computers were going to shut down because of Y2K. Right. Like they were all scared of the, two, the year 2000 hitting the computer screen. Yeah. And now it's like we went from being scared of like big box computers to having the phones, thinnest having the phone, thinnest phones, like- but having phones that are like tablets for other phones right and it's really weird and it's and, and you really have to either keep up with the technology or you're looked down upon mm-hmm. and it's you know it's like it's like like if if say okay i have an iphone mm-hmm. i i can remember this phone from middle school like i didn't have an iphone yet i had like this it wasn't even a sidekick but i could slide it up mm-hmm. <laughs> um friends who had iphones laughed at me mm-hmm I'm still texting. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still calling. I'm still communicating. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be happy about that. Yeah. So it's it's so the the things that really don't matter we care about as Americans, mm-hmm. and it's gotten to the point that it's just second nature. It's so materialistic. It's second nature now. It is second nature. And going back into the family side of it, mm-hmm. as a, you know, as kids once again, um, when. A child just has their mom or their father with them, and they see their friend with both parents. Mm-hmm. How does that make them feel? You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, single parent households are. It's a very interesting topic because mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think anyone fully grasps what it what it means to have a two parent household compared mm-hmm. to a single parent household mm-hmm. because the, the the arguments are always you don't you need both parents um, you can't get what you need from one parent from from when you're missing the other parent right. and while I I think I agree to an extent I think there's not enough information about single parent households but I do think if you have if you grow up in a single parent household and you see someone with two parents that can almost be seen as a luxury right right that right. is that 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 is it's a luxury to have two parents in most communities yeah um yeah yeah okay so with that being said that that's another topic that we're going to go down the line okay, with. okay. so <laughs> going back into you know the parenting so we we left world war Two. Mm-hmm. um us as black people are in the west um, mm-hmm. Now we're sort of moving back in on the east side, mm-hmm. you know, and the disen the dis the disenfranchisement of the black family, mm-hmm. um, being out of wedlock, mm-hmm. drugs, mm-hmm. Um, and and the welfare mm-hmm. aspect from like maybe let's say from sixties to the nineties. Let's talk about that because okay, that yeah. honestly, like many families were broken because of those broken. three things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the government really stepped in. Like, oh, I'm I'm the dad now. Uh, right, right. He, or or I'm I'm your beneficiary. Yeah, I'm the person you need. So you worry about me because yeah, I, I have me. the government cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm don't worry about him. I'm here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So first, like, what out of out of wedlock. The term like out of wedlock, I, I think it was created as a tool to shame parents, single parent, particular black parents mm-hmm. who are raising a child by themselves. Mm. Um, out of wedlock just means you just you had a child before marriage, right. you know. And well, I do think that sometimes people are not financially, mentally, or physically ready to bear a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, to take care of a child, not bear to take care of a child. Um, I don't. I, I think out of wedlock is just a tool that people have used to shame people for having sex. It's like the scarlet letter. It's mm. like, oh, you had your child in wedlock. You didn't get married first. Mm. But but then it comes down to the emphasis that we put on marriage. Mm-hmm. Because really, what is marriage but a certificate? You know, it's right. it's, it's it's a public dis- display of affection at this point. Right. You know, it comes with, with, I guess, like governmental benefits and like tax deductibles and tax breaks. But it really... For me personally, to, like from a personal stance, I think that weddings are f- like full of crap. Mm. I think weddings are full of crap. Really? Yeah, because because like why like well okay not weddings but how we use weddings as a if you love me you would give me a wedding mm. because it, nothing changed from the moment before you put that suit on to the moment after you still love that person the exact same. Okay. If you truly love that person. Mm-hmm. Um, People want weddings. People got to have weddings. I just don't understand. Um, back on the wedlock situation, um, I think there's a lot too much shaming that happens when you have a child of wedlock. Mm. Um, I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. Me, with my background, mm-hmm. we we don't look at it 
in a good way because you know mm-hmm. I'm coming from a Christian household and yeah. stuff like that, which is understood um, understood in in some circumstances, but not everybody comes from that same background. Mm-hmm. So you know you have those over here that feel like it's it's not a good look, um, and then some over here that is just like, okay, let's worry about the child, not mm-hmm. about the in the 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 action that was taking place. You mm-hmm. know, okay, like that's. That it is what it is, mm-hmm. but let's worry about the child. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not mm-hmm. what the action of how the child came. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so, yeah, because that, that's a whole big... That is, yeah. That's a whole big topic. And it, so, it, I think it'll forever be a topic. Yeah. It'll forever be a topic. Yeah, yeah. so without, besides the um, Out of Wedlock, because, you know, that, that's a whole different episode itself. Um, mm-hmm. Reagan. And Reagan, drugs. Reagan and drugs. <laughs> but also, also black people and drugs. Mm-hmm. Because, um, so, the war on drugs is a Reagan campaign and also a Bush campaign. Um, but basically... Um, well, the mass incarceration side. Yeah, 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 for the mass incarceration side. So we have the three-strike rule. We have, um, really, okay, so, uh, allegedly, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't really trace... I don't. I've never traced where drugs came from, but it's believed that the government put the drugs in the community mm-hmm. originally, right? Yeah. And so, and I say allegedly because like I can't factually prove that, and I love facts, but I do believe. I do believe. But yeah, know, to me, I it believe. sounds real that it sounds very the real, government right? had put drugs in the black community. Let's 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 just be real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> so they definitely they definitely did. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So this is where we see this is where we see the the. Um, What's it? What's it again? We're talking about drugs, right? Oh, so and this is where we see the um, the policing of black communities, uh-huh. um, because it would be crack and cocaine are essentially the same drugs, right? Cut cut from a different a different cloth. Yeah. And um, but crack has a harsher had a harsher still does most most states had a harsher sentencing than cocaine, mm-hmm. because who was most likely to crack? Right. Low income poor black people. Right. So. Um, if you if if you want to dismantle something, the first thing you gotta do is break it apart. And how do you break apart the family unit? The prisons. So they said, oh, okay, you're doing drugs. We have to do something about this. Now, what's what's important to know is how black people who were um, gatekeepers kind of push ex push this agenda as well mm. because originally Reagan was going to um, back off a little bit his, his, original, his, his the original policy that went through through the government Reagan did not want to sign however the problem black people and these are people like Al Sharpton at the times mm-hmm. um, were saying that something has to be done right because um, again the drugs, in the, the western drugs, world drugs yeah. are a very bad thing yeah um but that's a different topic. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of different topics on this episode. <laughs> Drugs is a very different topic. But in short, um, and um, and you, if you if you read the new Jim Crow, they really highlight that. Mm. Uh, Michelle Alexander really highlights the fact of how the prominent black people at the time were really, really um, um, vocal about wanting something to happen about get the drugs off the street. Yeah, of course. You know, and, that's, the, and that's very for, important for the that's children. For the yeah, children. For the, for children. the children. It was you just know? so unfortunate that the people who had the drugs were majority of black men. Mm-hmm. That is, that is, that that is very unfortunate that the majority of people who had the drugs were black men. Uh, but 
if you want to dismantle something, mm-hmm. you gotta break it up. Yeah, and and it's so bad that the 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 black man had to be taken away mm-hmm. because of the impact that they make. They have to be taken away in in for, in in order for you know things to be you know put implemented. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 They have to be taken away, and that um, drugs and also um, welfare. Because mm-hmm. um, originally welfare was not given to black people right. or low income people. It was very hard to get welfare to get on welfare if you were black or low income. Um, but afterwards, when you were able to get on welfare, it was it was given this, it was developed for single parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my 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 older family loves to tell the story of how black women would like. Oh, back then they would like check the house for the man, the husband, right. and they, she would hide all the clothes and stuff, right. and just to main, maintain her welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, so welfare has always been, you know. So if you come from a very low income area, and you see this opportunity to obtain uh, financial assistance from the government, and the only thing is to get rid of the man of the house, um, desperate times call for desperate measures. Mm-hmm. Is it right? No, but you people do people go to extremes yeah. for their needs. Right. Um, it's so sad. It is that that many that many black men during that time, you know, lost lost a a, a great amount of time with their families, seeing their you know their children and and such grow. Right. Um, right. But also. It sort of gives then the aspect of women mm-hmm. that this is their time to mm-hmm. to have that moment and nurture their children too, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. um, the single mother. The single mother, yeah. Um, I want to backtrack just for a second before okay. we get to the single mother, but yeah, it's very important. Uh, like how um, you said, black men lost a lot of times, and this is why we so. Uh, Cliff Huxable is to black people what Atticus Finch is to white people. And really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Atticus Finch. I never thought about Atticus it like Finch, that. Atticus Finch, for those, he's in, um, the, he's in To Kill a Mockingbird mm-hmm. um, by Harper Lee. And Atticus Finch, for white people, of at that time, he was like their white savior. Like, oh my God, this white guy did something good. That's so me. Like, he has a bench in Savannah, Georgia. He's not a real person. Right. You know, he's a fictional person. But so is Cliff Huxtable. And for so many people, these two men these two men, were the idea of what you should be as a man. Cliff Huxtable, Brownstone, nice job, family. Mm-hmm. Atticus Finch, lawyer, nice family, did his job as a white person. Right. You know, and so... And so that's why the reactions were the same for both of them, with the um, Bill Cosby situation, but also with Harper Lee's Ghost Set a Watchman. In her newest book that mm-hmm. she released, Atticus Finch is a racist. Mm. And this made white people very uncomfortable and very upset, because now they had to deal with the, the, the realization that their fictional hero is a villain. Is a villain now. <laughs> He's wow. flawed. He's flawed. Same with Cliff, Cliff Huxtable. You know, if you can't separate the two, Cliff Huxtable has now become this person in the media that's like, that's not who I looked up to as a person growing up. Mm. And I think that's why these two really hit uh, the baby boomer generation, our parents, harder than us. Because wow. for I'm, so many of them, that was 
Sheesh. But, <laughs> but what about James from Good Times and Uncle Phil? Right. Yeah. No, yeah, right? Yeah. But, yes, but we don't... No one was ever Cliff Huxley. Mm-hmm. No one was ever. Because Uncle Phil, while he, while he maintained a really good family, it was always about Will Smith. Yeah. It was always about Will Smith. It was always about the Fresh Prince. Uh-huh. This, this show. Oh, yeah. The show was never about... Uh, Uncle Phil, mm-hmm. Bill, uh, Cliff, uh, the Cosby's was all about Cliff Huxtable, mm-hmm. all about his raising him, raising his family, and for so many people who were fatherless or in single parent homes, this was who they had to mm-hmm. to raise them. But you know what? Um, g- digging deeper into the uh, the black family and being represented in the media, mm-hmm. um, the Huxtables gave hope, though they did that they that did. that we can as as you know, the black family, we can be together mm-hmm. as one. Mm-hmm. We can have nice we can jobs and nice and such like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they Cliff and and, and uh, I, I forgot what's uh, oh I don't even Mr. and Miss Huxley yeah. <laughs> had beautiful jobs, but mm-hmm. in Brooklyn though, in Brooklyn. Um, so it's like where I'm at, man. I could do that too. You could do that too, and um, and but see, also that's the thing is that. You didn't have to go to this fantasy place. Yeah. You didn't have to go to Bel Air. Yeah. You could stay right at home in Brooklyn. Right. And be this person. And that and that is that's why I think I believe Cliff, Cliff Huxley was regarded as the black father. Mm. As Atticus French is the white father. Mm. These two men really raised raised people and wow. set the ideals and norms of what they should do. Mm. That is that's something. Um well speaking about Cliff and Atticus being the, the the leading figure, mm-hmm. the head of the household, in regards to us, the that son mm-hmm. paying attention to his father, mm-hmm. um, the young man having to step up early in mm-hmm. life. What do you think about that? Um, I think first, I don't think it's fair. Mm. A lot of men have to grow up fast. They have to be that provider before they know themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, this, is, this is one of the reasons why we have such a low rate of black men in college now. Mm. You know, um, growing up in my family, um, I live with both my parents, um, so I was fortunate enough to not have to take on that role of leadership. Mm-hmm. But some of my friends had to Sacrifice so much of their free time to take care of their family, and so when you look at the, the need of college, um, one of the, uh, my research looked at um, retention rate of first-generation college students, and one of the questions I asked um, was, one of the questions I asked was that, what do you feel a need to when you one get your refund check as you go home? Mm, okay. And overwhelmingly, people said yes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other question was, are you before college and when you go home from college, are you the, one of the main providers for your family? Okay. And it's yes. So if from 14 to 18, you are the, if 14 from 18, you are the main provider, one of the primary providers of your family, mm-hmm. going off to college is a hard thing for you because now you have to worry about how are they gonna make ends meet? How mm-hmm. are they gonna get their means? Um, and this, and this, and this pressure is often put on the, the men, the, yeah. the boys of the family. Yeah. Often put on the boys of the family. Um, because I think 
a lot of black mothers see them as oh, you have to step up now. Mm-hmm. You know, you start, oh, you start, you know, you're starting to sweat. You're starting to become a man now. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to get deodorant and get a job. Mm. Mm. Wow. Um, I can say for me, being the uh, only child, um, and my mom mostly there most of the time that. Um, I had my grandfather, mm-hmm. and, but I did have father figures around me, mm-hmm. so I didn't feel as pressured, mm-hmm. or more so, I I put the pressure on myself to try and grow up quick because I know that I had an obligation um, right. taking taking care of the you know mm-hmm. the people trying to take care of the people mm-hmm. around me, um, get my first job uh, at the at the farmers market, mm-hmm. um, you know, seeing single mothers and stuff with with mm-hmm. you know welfare checks and stuff like that right. trying to pay for mm-hmm. you know that ear on the cob that you know just came from mm-hmm. from from the farm that morning and stuff like that so it is is very it's very different and every every young man well black young young man has i think has somewhat of a similar story yeah 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 at a point where they had to they're forced to grow up too fast um they, you miss a lot of your right youth because of that do you well, let's take it like this. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Him not saying that his dad wasn't there, mm-hmm. but him not having a childhood. Mm-hmm. Like... Might... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, him not having a childhood, you could you could link that to Neverland. Yeah. To him now. Well, him, rest in peace, but... God bless his soul, yeah. Yeah, but him then, you know, um, having the amusement park and... Having the parties for the kid, things like that, because he didn't, you know, you have to have that childhood. Yeah. You have to have that. You, you can't grow up too fast. Yeah. I think some people are forced to grow up too fast, and when you grow up too fast, when you hit the, when you hit the eighteen, you hit eighteen, nineteen, twenty. You see people, and you hear about their experiences growing up, mm-hmm. and the life that they were able to live. And you're kind of just like, and where was I? And you were kind of robbed <laughs> of that. Yeah, you're like, kind of robbed of, of your 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 fun. Yeah. Because at 18, 19, 20, you can't make mistakes that you could when you were... Yeah, right. You know, when you were 15, 16, 17. You can't make those mistakes anymore. Right. Um, it, it's just sad. It's it sad. Is. It's sad that it has to happen like that. But um, some more some more issues in regarding to the black family. Um, one thing, going back to mass incarceration and stuff, mm-hmm. um, over-policing, but how about the sentencing of crimes? Um, for those, for just having that, that little, uh, you know, in your right. pocket and stuff right. like that, mm-hmm. that really made made a lot of of black men's lives, mm-hmm. fathers, right, hell, pure hell. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah, it did, it did, because because now now you're in prison, mm-hmm. and now you become, I don't want to say a burden, but you become a burden on the family now, because now they have to make sure you have things in prison, because mm-hmm. everything everything costs. Because it's capitalism. Everything costs. Right. It costs, it costs to be in prison, you know? Yeah. The place you put me in. I have to now pay right. for something petty. Um, but yeah, over-sentencing um, is linked to private prisons. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. private prisons need to, need to have the labor. Mm-hmm. And you only get the labor by over-policing. And keep up. And, and, and keeping the beds filled. Yeah. Um, which are one of the things I think is so cool in college that's happening. And... I'm trying to get it to happen here is that colleges are cutting business businesses with companies that profit off of 
prisons mm -hmm. and get their and get their office supplies, their desks, oh, all yeah. their school supplies oh, from yeah. Yeah. prisons. Absolutely. Because the only way we can cut cut the cut down the over policing and is if we stop using it. We stop using their products. Right. Because no one's gonna be like, ah, oh, you need to use their prison, no one's buying what they need. And you know what? Some pieces of clothing that we wear every day. Yeah. Support those private Oh, prisons yeah. oh, and yeah. not trying to put anybody's name out there but some some idols quote unquote that mm -hmm. you know some people looked up to are actually supporting that and not mm -hmm. supporting us really yeah and it's is it's not right for them to do that but we 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 praise them every day by every wearing day. by wearing their sneaker and and mm -hmm. and staying up twenty over twenty four hours in a line just trying in line to buy a shoe. I think that that is uh, to buy a shoe. Like to buy a shoe. You know what I'm saying? It's, I, it, I it's really, crazy. It's really crazy. It's crazy. It's um, really crazy. But that goes back to like technology and wanting to make sure you have the newest of the new. Yeah. And you know, beating everybody else to it. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Um. Besides sentencing, another problem is poverty. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, in those low-income mm -hmm. areas, mm -hmm. you know, what do we have? So it, we have poverty, um, but we, so we have to look at poverty and uh, as a as a as an umbrella of of situations. Because when you have poverty, you have health issues. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the one of one of the important things is remember is that most people in poverty live in food deserts, which means they are not within Correct. five miles of fresh. Fresh, fresh food. Correct. This excludes Walmart because Walmart does not fall under the uh, the CDC requirements of a fresh food store. Right. So so. So this means that Petersburg is Petersburg, a food Petersburg desert. is a food desert. Yes. Correct. Petersburg I thought so. I knew it. I knew it. Petersburg is very much a food desert. People do not have access to um, fresh food, which means what are you going to do to get your food? Mm -hmm. You're going to go to fast food spots. Right. And and this becomes your diet. This becomes your habit. This becomes your kids' diets. Yeah. And um, as much as we all may love our favorite fast food spot. Eating too much of anything is bad for us. Absolutely. And so, by the time your child is 17, 18, they have all these health conditions, or you have all these health conditions, but with poverty, poverty comes the lack of insurance, health insurance. Right. So, now you have to worry about, should I go to the hospital? You know? It's like, it's it, um, the common thing is like, oh, I don't need to go to the doctor because um, it's fine. I'll just like, I'll drink water. Mm -hmm. I'll eat an apple. Things like that. Um, like we don't have access to adequate health care. True. Um, most hospitals in low in, that are close to low income areas um, do more of a disservice most of the time. Mm, right. Um, a lot of running around. A lot of hospitals in low income areas actually charge by the hour, which is why they make you stay longer. Mm. Um, because they get more money off of you by charging by the hour. You know what? I just want to give a shout out to Nassau Community uh Mm -hmm. uh, hospital back in Westbury because uh, they do that, <laughs> and, it's not, and it's not fair, they, and it's, and they, it's not they right. They charge you by the hour, and it's, so the doctor takes as long as he wants. Don't you think that's so crazy that in in an area where help is really needed, mm -hmm. that is when they they, is when they they let their hands go mm -hmm. and and be like, uh, you yeah, know, like uh, yeah, you. Um, I, I, I wish I could help, but uh, uh, it says that you know you're you're not with Affinity. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, you're not with Affinity. You yeah. don't have Blue Anthem, Blue Health, Blue Shield. Yeah. So I can't help you. Yeah. It, I 
don't understand Americans' healthcare system. It's really horrible. It's, it's um, really, it's really it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> but yeah, so, but also another thing is transportation. Low-income areas tend to have the worst transportation when it comes to getting to destinations. And we think about low-income areas, people typically tend to not have cars or the best cars. Mm -hmm. So they have to rely on public transit. Um, and Richmond, for example, Richmond is a, a city that is very divided. Right, one side of VCU is middle class and you get to upper class. The other side is working class and then poor class. Mm. And you know what side you're on by what time the buses stop running. Mm. Or what time, Richmond just built a new rail system and it doesn't run anywhere in Jackson Ward. Mm. It doesn't run, oh actually it does run, it runs near v VUU, which I guess could be considered Jackson Ward. But it doesn't run deep that, into Richmond. And that's a really historic black area mm -hmm. over there, too. Jackson Ward, yeah. Yes. Because mm -hmm. uh, the like one of the first black banks or something like mm -hmm. that was in that area, correct? It is, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It is, it, is, it is a very important area, but it lacks public transit as much as other areas get. Mm -hmm. And it's really, there's no difference. It literally is like opposite side of the street. Wow. Like you're on the, like you're on the wrong side of the train tracks. Legit. Literally. Like, yes. That's not. That's, that's, that's not right. Um, one more thing. Well, one more problem that we could talk about um, in regards to the black family, the haves and the have-nots. Oh gosh. Yeah. 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 The... Is are you? Are we talking about classes? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about. We're talking about classism. Okay. Yeah, we're talking. We, we, yeah, we talk about classism. Or, or uh, like elitists and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, well, elitist falls under classism. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. and, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Elitism and classism and the haves and the have-nots. But it's not so much about the haves and the have-nots, more as how the haves use what they have. Mm -hmm. And don't give and, and don't, help. And don't help. Okay. Um, it is easy to criticize... Um, something mm -hmm. it's easy to criticize something but if you have the means to help and you don't your critique is now just a judgment mm -hmm. um, for example um, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm, not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that but um, sure okay <laughs> okay I mean Nah, oh, that's I'm, another I'm, episode, right? I'm not, yeah, okay, yeah, that's okay. Gonna, that's gonna open a bunch of doors <laughs> right, and right, right. make a bunch of HBCU students very mad. Right, right. It's I'm okay. That's, that. that's but, okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. but the haves and have-nots. And um, I think black people who have and don't help do a disservice. But disclaimer is that it's not your responsibility to help. Uh -huh. You know, I, I don't want the message to be that, oh, because you have this, you need to you help. Should. But you, you should. Yeah. But you should want to help your like, people. Have sort of a, like, like okay, I have this. I don't need all of it. I'm fine. Let me let me give it to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, could that also, I mean, of course, it could probably tie with W.B. Du Bois, the, ta mm -hmm. uh, the talented 10th. Right. Um, and, and the 10 that do have, mm -hmm. you should help out right. the 90. Yeah, but... So I believe that the top ten is very problematic. Okay, it's right. very problematic. I, I I believe that W. E. Du Bois, when he was writing Talented Ten, he while he had good intentions, um, you exclude a bunch of every other people. So mm -hmm. then it becomes the idea of the working class can't do anything to help us. Right. 
and um, and only pay attention to only those. Only pay attention to the And yeah. the same kind of sentiments and the idea of like the 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 feudalist system of king and queen. Uh, when people say, "Oh, you know, hey king, hey queen," while well, I have good intentions, what about those who aren't kings and queens? You know, and, mm. and everyone can't be a king and queen because mm. that that that's not how society works. Mm. You know, that's, that's different. Yeah, it's it's not how society works. So while the the intent of king and queen is is not to establish a society, it is to establish like you know remind people that they are great. Yeah, I I I sort of disagree honestly. Okay. Um, I feel as though when when we greet each other as king and queen, mm-hmm. it is paying homage to what we were in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as though how we were back then, we need to remember that mm-hmm. and put that in the forefront of now, mm-hmm. saying that, yes, I, I don't care what you say or, or the naysayers are um, that trying to put me in a negative light. I know who I am. I know what my worth is from now mm-hmm. and then from the past. I do represent, I come from a different cloth. I do represent royalty, right. black royalty mm-hmm. in a sense, and mm-hmm. nothing, no one would take that away from me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, and so, and so I agree. I agree with you when people say King Queen that that, that should be the intent behind it. Right. Um, but just from like a historical standpoint, the King Queen, King Queen is typically the the ones you don't want. Mm. Because you don't want to develop a system where it is ruled. It's ruled. Right. And and you don't develop a system where you take the power from the people at this point. Okay. You know? I see what you're um, saying. But that's, that's just more of like a theoretical framework and not so much like the intent behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but same with W.B. Du Bois, du Bois is that it's like you really just say, look at the talented tenth. These are amazing people. They're going to get us. They're going to guide us here. Mm-hmm. And all of the other people, just relax. Like you're not, yeah. you're not, you're not skilled enough to do this for you. Right, right. You can't do okay. this work. You I know? see what you're saying. Um, I, I understand. That. You know, you yeah. see, and 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 so when you have someone who may not have had, for example, the best start in life, but they're told that this other person is going to be that person. Mm-hmm. So you just keep doing what you're doing. And one day, person B is going to get us all there. Mm. It kind of, to the person A, it may, it may be a discouragement mm-hmm. to advance. Right. And you become stuck. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, I, I, I understand that. I see what you're saying. Um, I guess you're just, you're, you're talking about how just leave the rest to one person and make them feel like they they shouldn't be able to try and help out in a way just yeah. because you don't have all the resources. You have some resources, but you just don't have all that will give you that 100% to take the lead. Mm-hmm. But that I think that's not fair. Like that that's not fair. If you have everybody has something to give. Everybody has something to give. Everybody has and something to give and to mm-hmm. to help out with. Mm-hmm. So you should. So I, I, I do should, see, yeah. I see what you're and saying. I, I think that's where people tend to... Um, it's kind of like how a business... You know, you think the CEO... Mm-hmm. is like, ah, oh, you need the CEO to run the business. But you also need a janitor. Mm-hmm. You need everything in between. Because mm-hmm. the business won't run, you know? Right. Like, it has to function as a whole. Right. And I, I, think, I think people tend to forget that when you have these prominent speakers like, uh, like T-Ray and Bell Hook and all these other people who 
we regard as like spokesmen or gatekeepers for the black community now. Right. Okay. It's like, ah, oh, well, like, what am I going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. It's like at a protest, you have the people who are in the streets, but you need the ones who are watching the kids. Mm-hmm. You're the ones who are like watching, watching the streets. You're the ones who are making the food. Mm-hmm. And all these things, it, no role is more important than the other because mm-hmm. they all work together mm-hmm. to achieve the same goal. And you know what? With roles like that, that also ties back to the black family. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a role in the black family and everybody needs to be together mm-hmm. in order to make the train go. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, this is a great conversation about the black yeah. family. And yeah. although we it sounded like we went everywhere. Right, but, but it all it still all, ties. It all it. ties together. Mm-hmm. Um I would definitely love to have another conversation like this. Because uh, more so we, we went through a historical standpoint. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, historical did, yeah. and most likely a part two of this talking about today's black family. Yeah, yeah. Um so thank you so much. If no you problem. know you have uh, any closing remarks. Don't. You don't? No, I don't. You're know. the first person to not have closing <laughs> remarks. You have what, to say. What you do have to usually say? say. I mean, just what you feel. What you feel. Oh. Especially in regards to the topic that you know they they have dis- discussed. What you feel? Um. I don't know. I mean, I okay. Hold on. Okay, I got some closing remarks. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some. Okay. Um. No, I don't have anything. You sure? I, yeah, I don't know okay. what to say. All right, so. With that being said, the black family is beautiful. We will remain beautiful. Regardless of the situation that is at hand, we all know how to rise up and come together, Mm -hmm. especially for the younger generations to come Mm -hmm. and and those who who paved the way for us in in homage and respect. Mm -hmm. So, the black family, we all we got. Retweet. That's that's my closing remarks. That was good. I like that. The black family. That's yeah. we all we got. Yeah. Um. So yeah. With that being said, this has been episode eight. We'll talk with Ezra. Thank you for listening. Y'all have a great day.